Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caram, and with us today is a good friend, uh, Kathy Griffin. And we're going to talk to Kathy about a lot of stuff uh, as we get started. Hey, Kathy, thanks for joining us. This is our first live attempt on the call-in network, and I'm very happy you're with us. It's my pleasure, Brian. I'm very glad to talk to you. Ah, well, we're going to take a short break to sell all the, you know, the important commercial message stuff. And when we come back, we've got a lot to talk about. So everyone stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, JATQ listeners. We have exciting news. We've launched JATQ Live, a new weekly show where you can call in and ask questions live. So if you've got a second, download the call-in app. That's call-in, C-A-L-L-I-N. Make an account and follow us on over there. Talk to you soon. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter. Now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Uh, so we're, we're back. Ah, we'll get the bugs out of it one way or another. So, uh, Kathy, I, I guess the first thing I'm going to do is, I, I, you know, I can't help but ask this question because it probably reflects uh, – well, it reflects on all of us, but the, the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial is over with and, and Johnny Depp uh, won 15 versus 2 million by Amber. And I was wondering what you thought of it. Well, um, I am a friends with Amber Heard. I completely believe her. I, I don't even know what the question is. It's actually really disturbing to me as a, a woman and a lifelong feminist. Also, just so you know, I mean, there's stories that have been going around Hollywood about him being an abuser since Kate Moss is the first time I heard about it. And then right. Winona Ryder, when they were dating, and he had the Winona forever, and then she had her tattoo. I think it was changed to El Diablo over wow. his name, which is not a good sign. But I no. will say, of course, I cannot speak for these women, but I have to tell you, I wonder if they just changed their tune because nobody wants to get Amber Herded. And I say that I am a verb myself. I know that when it comes to, you know, um, political discourse, nobody wants to get Kathy Griffin, as I was very famously canceled and blacklisted and all that stuff. But um, I've been yeah. Brian Caramed once or twice in the White House briefing room. I, I feel you. 
Oh, I thought they were going to physically chuck you out a couple of times. <laughs> they tried, yeah. Especially Sarah, Sarah Huckabee. I thought she's, you know, she's a sturdy gal. She could probably take you, Brian. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was a middle linebacker. I think I could hang. but <laughs> uh, Like she wasn't? No. All right. <laughs> hey, um, now. <laughs> hey, now. So anyway, yes, I am taking what is a controversial take for the social media bloodbath that has been this trial. But no, it's very clear to me. It's, you know... Uh, you know, defamation is something I, I know a little bit about. And, um, you know, I, I think it's it's been interesting to watch it go down in a way that um, has been illuminating. But I think it's definitely going to set women back. I don't know that it's going to kill Me Too. You know, some of these right. Me Too women, I know a lot of these Me Too women, and they're very, you know, they're, they're very, um, I think if nothing else, it's difficult, but they're grateful to finally talk about their story. And so, uh, you know, I just think Depp is gross. I think, it, you know what I find funny? This is because you got to find the humor in anything. I yes. love these Johnny Depp fans, stands, as the kids call them, the stands, and these Johnny Depp stands that are talking about this trial, and yet they refuse to show a picture of what he looks like now, which is a big, orange, fat, bloated booze bag. He looks like Donald Trump with a ponytail. Um, and so they keep, they keep sticking up for him and being like, Amber is taking down Johnny. He's so gorgeous and dreamy. I'm like, okay, he talks like Kanye when Kanye had his jaw wired. He has a fake yes. accent like when Madonna turned British. So, you know, who well, would you know, And he's a Kentucky boy. So every time yeah. I hear that from him, I go, he didn't learn to speak like that in Kentucky. <laughs> he learned That's it a- from his idol, Keith Richards. And yeah, it's an affectation. <laughs> totally. And, but how could people not see through such an obvious affectation and just the whole thing of how he had like his digital warriors outside? It's, this is a middle aged man. This is pathetic. So anyway, I don't, I don't get how <laughs> so you're not a like, Johnny Depp fan <laughs> because I've heard these. I like these women. I like Winona Ryder. I love that she's having a comeback in Stranger Things. I, you know, I, I believe that stuff happened to her at the time, and I fear that she doesn't want to talk about it. Remember when freaking Charlie Sheen shot Kelly Preston? Shot oh, yeah. her in a car till the day she died. May she rest in peace. She insisted, because it would come up like every few years. She insisted that it was an accident. I mean, uh, he shot uh, her in the car. So, you know, that's uh, that's the worst be- part of the body to be shot in the car. The worst. I mean, my car is so fragile. My car is a bleeder. It's a bleeder. (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things you talked about is, you know, taking controversial stances and cancel culture. And that takes me to what we I I really wanted to talk about was free speech and comedy. I don't know if you saw Ricky Gervais, uh, the his newest on Netflix, but he's gotten a lot of grief for some of his jokes. And there was one point in time where he's actually having to explain humor to his audience. Yeah. And that to me, having, you know, you've done this, I've done this there. I a lot of my friends are stand-up comedians. If you have to worry about getting slapped or beaten every time you make a, a bad joke, comedy's dead. Well, you do. And, you know, initially I took heat when I said on Twitter, the night of the Oscars, this is going to inspire a lot of schmucks you know, this is a world I know extremely well, and I've performed in comedy clubs, and I've performed in casinos, and I've performed in, you know, Carnegie Hall and beautiful venues, and I've done, I've done bar mitzvahs and birthday parties in people's homes, and 
you know, obviously the idea that the audience now gets to decide whether or not they even like the tone of what you're talking about to the point where if they don't, they get to run on stage and slap you in the face is something that's real. So it already happened with an African-American comedian and T.I., the rapper who, T.I. wants to be a comic now. I don't know why. He's a really talented music artist, but he's not a good comic. He's terrible. But he also like attacks... (laughs) He also attacks other comedians when he's like in the back of the room. By the way, this is like one of the biggest music stars in the world. But like that happened. Then, of course, we all know what happened to Chappelle at the Hollywood Bowl. But, you know, my guess yeah. is this is this is probably happening and not getting press other places. Um, and, you know, I don't like how many people actually think this is OK. You know, would well, you do I'm that not- if you were going to a Shakespeare play? Would you be like, you know what? That term is dated. I think Shakespeare was what a blank phobic. And then I'm going to go slap, you know, the, the amazing actor who's uh, doing the role. So it's, it, I don't like that. It's almost like this idea has a little more acceptance than it should have. Like yes. many ideas these days. Well, yeah, it, what you. Th- idea of, of Mark Twain and uh, his language in uh, Huckleberry Finn or or Tom Sawyer, yeah, that's. It, it, I mean, you can't hold people accountable that are long past for our mores and our and how we look at things today. And if you cancel them, if you don't look at them, how do you how, how do you ever know what the past was about? No, it's all there. There's part of parts of that that really are. I think they're not going to last through this sort of current phase. And what I mean by that is, like, let's take. Quentin Tarantino, right? So I love his movies. I think they're great. I'm a chick, so I may not love them like in the same way. Sometimes they're too violent, but I like, think they're amazing. I think he's brilliant. Um, you know, whatever. I'm just a fan of his. Now, I'm not black, so I can't speak to whether or not his characters should use the N-word. But I will say, and I'm, you know, like I said, I'm a nice and bitter feminist but if you're gonna write like let's say that i get to do a role where i'm playing which i've done like i've I played like a sarah palin type on glee and every so often i get cast as that because it's like fun right but if i play somebody in you know 1930 and i'm playing a school teacher and they some some evil male character calls me the c-word c-u- and Pete, um, I don't know what you can say, but I'm just saying, as a woman, well, if we were in Australia, we could say that word. <laughs> uh, it's got a whole new meaning there. I love it. Yeah, like, in England too. That's- I know, but that's what I'm saying. Is like it's you know whether you might be dealing with a period piece, and a period piece could be 20 years ago, but it will be interesting to see how we deal with in films and television, like characters that are villains or whatever, and they do use those words and stuff like that. So it's it's a very interesting time, let me tell you. Yeah, I think it's very a challenging time. And and very. by the way, I'll, I'll tell you my, my favorite, and I'm going to say the word, so I'll warn people up front. Okay, warning. I'll, I'll give the Ricky Gervais warning up front. Yes. But I, it was one of my favorite stories when I was at America's Most Wanted was um, one of our photographers who worked with us was the original drummer of the Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. And he broke both of his thumbs shortly after the uh, uh, first album. So he was no longer with the band and he had become a photographer. But as the drummer, he was they had opened for the Who on the Who's first tour. Yeah. And no one knew, no one knew who they were. 
Yeah. And they were sit- he was sitting in the green room waiting to go on when Keith Moon walked in with a little doctor's bag and everybody was, you know, got drunk and, and, you know, Keith had taken a boatload of pills and they went out on stage and they were playing and Roger Daltrey was swinging the, the uh, microphone around and hitting himself and putting wapple marks on his head. He was so <laughs> and at one point in time, Pete Townsend turned around and looked at Keith Moon and said, play faster, you cunt. And that was, and he said, after that, I was a Who fan. <laughs> I mean, that does not offend me one bit because it's all, here's the part that is like so frustrating, especially in social media, which unfor- unfortunately a dealer like myself still is sort of beholden to, but right. it is context. Everything is context. Everything is contextual. And like what I find is happening in comedy is like hackery is back because most hack comedy, meaning jokes that are very predictable, jokes that are derivative. I mean, look, I will say this. Gervais got a little heat also for kind of doing the trans thing. Like, I don't even know what category anybody is anymore, which (laughs) I'm just saying it's that's doesn't offend me. I used to do a bit. I used to do a bit about LGBTQI2, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, question, you know, like, and I feel like that sort of bit is time has kind of come and gone. Right. But, But. what I don't like is I feel I, I see it myself and I'll, I'll just be honest. Like every so often, like I'll post like a hacky joke on Twitter. Like I'll almost feel guilty. I'll be like, Oh, this is such like an obvious fucking, and it'll get the most interaction by far. Like just a nice sort of calm, hacky joke, you know, but then right. anything with nuance and it, it's, it just, people just want to take their stand. And my favorite is when people on social media love to tell me, stay in your lane. But they're telling yeah. me about comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I get that sometimes talking about reporters. They go, stay in your lane. I go, it is my lane. Yeah, everything's <laughs> your lane. Yeah, that's my lane. Okay, I, so I just, what are your plans? What are your plans for the J6 hearings? Are you coming over? Oh, I'll be, uh, yeah, I'll be there for the, um, I, I am actually with you right now i'm in la visiting family and then um i'm headed my band has a gig saturday so i'm headed out friday night back to dc and then i'll be uh covering the hearings it should be a, a of great interest next week when they start and who's your plus uh, one who's your plus one uh to the hearings yeah my right now my uh my trusty uh, uh pad <laughs> You're welcome to come along. <laughs> I, I wish I could. I'm telling you, I'm so bitter. You're not just going to be at my house every night narrating because I feel <laughs> you and I would be like the Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski. We could do some very nice color. Oh, I'm in for that. Oh, baby, I'm, I'm so, so in. in. I'm okay, so, so let me ask you this. Let me, so let me flip the script on you. I would like you. Oh, oh for, okay. I'm Because I'm just, you know, I because, because these are in, in part a lot of the same crazies who came after me five years ago, almost to the day, by the way, that I've been following, like, I'm like in so deep with following all the J6ers and everything. So how familiar are you with like the Stuart Rhodes level of defendants? And then there's like the various father-son teams. There's like at least one mother and son team. And I'm yeah. like into it. Are you following any of it? Yeah, I'm too into it. I, I've been doing my homework for the uh, for the hearings. And uh, in, in addition to 
speaking with all the congressional members and, and a lot of the people who will be testifying, unfortunately, I still get a lot of email from from some of those very same crazies. You know, they they threatened you and, and they threatened me. Oh, and that reminds me who I got to make this announcement real quick. If you want to call in, we are taking calls today. So if you've got a question for Kathy, don't hesitate to. Uh, and our producer, Zach, is on the other line. He'll he'll cue you up. But to finish that thought up. Yeah, I I am. Um, I have uh, uh, followed, unfortunately, and um, that it's, it's sometimes it's comic and sometimes it's a bit frightening. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, the comical part is how many of them have been allowed to go to Mexico for a wedding, um, go to Mount Rushmore, which they <laughs> kind of have a different idea of what Mount Rushmore <laughs> is than we do. But yeah. they think it's like a different part of the mountain where they've already carved Trump and Maybe, maybe like Kaylee McEnany and oh, you know, the Lord of God. I heard maybe the, 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 what about the urine drinking crowd? Have you are you into that? I've started following this. <laughs> yeah, There's well, called UT. I'm, I'm not into drinking the urine, but I have talked. To hey man, be drinking. cool. Be hey. cool, man. <laughs> and and I've also spoken to people. The the funniest part of that is. I, I've spoken with people who have told me, you know, Mount Rushmore is the most beautiful natural formation on the planet. And I just have to go, what? Wow. <laughs> what, what What? the hell are you wow. talking about? There's nothing natural wow. about it. I'm sorry. I, wow. I have one more. Wow. Wow. That is bad. <laughs> that we are screwed. We are, Brian, let's, can we be honest? We are a dumb people. We are. Oh. We're a dumb people. You know what? Here's the thing. We love being dumb. I'm sick of it. I am sick of it. I live in Los Angeles. If I talk to one more person who like doesn't know that Rick Caruso is a Republican and a mini Trump and has never heard of Karen Bass, then that's where we are. But it's we are reveling in our stupidity. We have become the nation of look it up. Then please tell me you're following the woman who thinks she's going to primary AOC, Magatina. <laughs> oh yeah, there's yeah. a chick named Maggie. I have to unfortunately follow everyone. Oh yeah, look it up. If AOC <laughs> thinks she's going to come yeah. in here with Bill Gates and her agenda, like it's just, it's it's never ending. It's never ending. Yeah, that was a good Brooklyn accent you had there for a second. Uh, well, Magatina <laughs> is very focused on um, getting AOC out of there. I'm sure that's a real tight race. Well, I don't think it will be, but we'll see. Um, I, I'm constantly amazed running into the Lauren Boberts and the uh, uh, and others of that ilk, and then the even crazier, the uh, Mary Juby Booby from Georgia. I can't even Marjorie Taylor Greene. I can't even say her name without stumbling over it. Because Do of, any of you guys uh, ever see them like off camera, and they're not as crazy? Sure. No, no, just as crazy. I've been um, walking through the halls of Congress. I've been on the congressional trams and they're just as nuts off camera as they are on camera and oh they're and and you know lauren bobert when she struts she struts like that like she does across stage she struts like that person a person it's very very disgusting all right i gotta ask you about this and this could be me just being a left version of like a conspiracy theorist is there anything to that explore talent thing with bobert and a couple of the other ones I do not know. It's a good question. I don't so think so. There used so, to be an agency called Explore Talent, and yes. it was like an actor casting agency. And Bovert, and I think there's two other members of Congress from MAGA World that supposedly were registered there. Um, 
And it really makes me wonder how many of these folks honestly are kind of like failed actors. Like there's a guy, well, there's actually I, this one they guy. All are. Oh. Remember the old saying that DC is Hollywood for ugly people. And that <laughs> <laughs> I have I have such negative feelings for Madison Cawthorn, I almost feel guilty. Yeah. Well almost. you're not the only one. We, we do, do we, have a caller on on the line. Renee uh is there if we can get Zachary to bring him in, Renee. And he's gone, or is he in? Well, that's uh, I love the board. I'm figuring it all out, Kathy. You're my, you're, you're, you're I, I was a virgin until today for live radio or live. I podcast. assumed it was Renee Zellweger, so let's just move on. <laughs> you know, these well, analysts, they all want to get a hold of me however they can. Yeah, I had a date like that once. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so we, we have John on the line. Is John there? Can we make him live? And give him a, 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 a spot to speak. John, if you're there, go ahead. And I, Zach, that's up to you to make him live. John, you just need to unmute yourself at the bottom right. There. there you go. Go ahead, John. Unmute yourself. Because Kathy and I are already unmuted. You got me. I, now, can you hear me? Hi, John. Yep. Hi, Hello, Kathy. John. I just want to remind Brian. Kathy, Brian had one of the great lines. And you know which Brian, Brian line I'm talking about, Brian? The one when you uh, talked to uh, Huckabee? Yes. Which one was Do you remember? Go ahead, repeat it. It's a great line. I just wanted you to say it. Oh, you. <laughs> John, you repeat it, brother. <laughs> oh, no, you by do the it way, than Kathy, anybody. This you did it in a perfect Groucho. You did it in a perfect Groucho, you know? All right, John. go ahead. John, I want to hear one of you do it because this is how I met Brian. I went to the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and I was like, I want to find that dude who finally confronted Sarah Huckabee. <laughs> yeah, the nerd prom, as we call it. By the way, Oh, my Kathy, God. This, Go ahead. This, but do it for John. Is, Come on. All right. I'll tell you. All right. What, Go ahead, you John. Said, all right. Brian was asking her, uh, I guess, during the one of the um, press conferences, the, the line he originally asked was, um, have you ever been sexually assaulted? And under it, he just said, have you ever been sexually assaulted? And I don't mean by the president. And he went on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Did she hear it? That was a, yeah, that was live. That went out, that went out live across the country. I did oh. say it was one of the best. Anyway, I'll get off. Of you course guys talk. it's, it's great. great. It's awesome. You guys have great chemistry. Keep going, guys. Oh, thanks. I just want Brian because he's like one of the few that's not afraid of the Sarah Huckabee types. I think it's great. I loved when he did that. It was awesome. Well, the- necessary. <laughs> I remember that day very well. Have you ever been sexual? But not by the president. And then I went on and I kind of did do a groucho. One of the things about Trump is it, it, there was a comic timing that was seemed to be natural with him. And it, even in asking the questions, it was like, you know, it set up punchline, set up punchline. And it wasn't necessarily on purpose, but the guy was so off the wall crazy. There was no other way to look at it. it, it yeah, was the just... questions then became bizarre because you're throwing a quote back at him. Then he would throw back like a facocta response that didn't really answer, but would often give you another crazy quote. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh there were so many t- like shut up and sit down. I take no responsibility. Um, I asked him, you know, if you're a law and order president, why do you keep breaking the law? 
and that sent maybe he only likes the order. Yeah. <laughs> All right, oh, Brian. So Brian, can we describe for your viewers? I'm sorry, your listeners, what um, Trump smells like? <laughs> he does. He does sweat a lot. Yeah, and you know, he, I, he wears I, cologne, which is just not a good idea. I, Old Spice, and, sweat, and mold. Yeah, I, but seriously, <laughs> and the hair, the hairspray. Trust me, on a summer day, you you smell it. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. He smells like, um, like, like, uh, I don't know, like, I don't want to say one of the Golden Girls because that's too warm and fuzzy. He just smells like, um, you know, like somebody who's not very hygienic. Well, because I really do believe he's doing just lots of Adderall, which, when misused, <laughs> can be like cocaine, you know. And that's my theory. My theory is that back in the day, he was like old school, co- cold school coke at Studio Fifty Four, and now, oh, although yes. I call Adderall Adagirls, and now he's just pounding the Adagirls, is my theory. But I think he pounds anything he can pound. What's what's left that he's capable of pounding right now? That's right. probably not much. We we do have another caller. Caleb is on this. Uh, go ahead, Caleb. If uh, Zach, you want to let him in, and Caleb, you just got to unmute yourself. Bye. Hello, can you hear me? Hi, Caleb. Sure can. Hi. Oh my God, Kathy. Huge fan. Your oh, voice thanks. sounds amazing, by the way. It sounds so great. Oh my so gosh, great. thank you so much. Yeah, I got like this injection thing on my left vocal cord and it helps me out a lot. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I was just uh, also sorry. I'm here from Kathy's Twitter link. I'm, I don't even know what the show is, to be honest. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, thanks, uh, thanks for the, uh, the, the plug. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, anyways, I uh, loved what you had to say about the trial at the beginning. And it's been so refreshing to see you be one of the only celebrities who's really sticking their neck out for Amber and has been since the beginning. So it really, you know, it means a lot to me as someone who's supported her throughout. And I think that a lot of Amber fans have uh, been very happy of the stuff that you've been saying. So thank you about that. But this is about the funny part of that uh, is uh, (laughs) I just loved listening to you skewer a celebrity. I feel like I haven't (laughs) in so long. And I'm just wondering, are you ever going to go back to like a stand up that's just, you know, ripping, ripping on, (laughs) you know, the celebs? I mean, you know, here's the thing. I think that in a way, the style of stand-up that I did topic wise really kind of like, you know, really is, is, has been wonderful for me. And it's also kind of how I think and talk and stuff. I think the only thing that'd be different is I think now that I've had like, you know, the cancer stuff and the addiction stuff, which I know it's hard to believe at this moment, there's actually a lot of comedy there. And I think it'll be sort of like a hybrid of the two. Cause you know, I, I'm, I'm in a way, I'm almost glad to have something a little different to talk about. So I just want to throw in some stuff about that. But I think always winding it in. And also, you know, what I love to do also is take the celebrity stuff, like in this case, the Amber and Johnny trial, and then it can kind of hit tentacles into other stuff and move on to like something lighter. But I'm mm-hmm. actually glad to hear you say that you support Amber because I really do believe it's a support for all women and who have been abused. Oh, absolutely. I, think been, I think she's been reabused. Oh, and it's it's so it's so frustrating and surprising to me to see that group of, you know, the high profile celebrity women who are all about Time's Up and Me Too, just to be completely silent or dismiss it as it's too complicated and we don't have time to learn about what's happening. It's just a silly, frivolous celebrity thing. When in reality, I think there's like implications for 
women in general. And just because it's a celebrity yeah. case doesn't make it stupid. No, it brings up the power imbalance. And, you know, it's also a case about sexual violence and we'll be talking about it. But, you know, I feel for her because she's got a brand new baby and the Johnny Depp people are telling her to put the baby in a microwave. And it's just been relentless. Well, that's she how was, we raised our kids and, and they were better for it. Now, you I'm, know what? Oh, I yeah. ate space food sticks and tank Caleb, instead of you. orange juice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I love you, Kathy. You're the best. Thank you. Love you, Caleb. Thanks. Well, Kathy, you brought up something. I did want to talk a little bit about your uh, your uh, your personal health scare there. I, I um, you know, I, I, I've had friends of mine and family members who have gone through it, and I think it's just amazing how well you took it. I, I love the uh, the photo that you put on uh, Twitter when you were standing in your pool and it just <laughs> bouncing up and down, happy as a clam. I, I, how, how have you done since then? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was really shocked because um, I did you know I didn't know I had it. I was actually getting an X-ray for something else, like my abdomen or something, and then they found it. And so I had a tumor in my left lung, lung cancer, and I've never smoked. Yes, and you know who knows. Um, <clears throat> and so they took it out in August, and I took out half my half of my left lung in August. So, oh, do you want to hear my drag name? Yeah. Diva half a Longoria. <laughs> so I'm ready. <laughs> Call me RuPaul. And, um, <laughs> and oh, then, uh, then the surgery during the surgery, it appears that the surgeon um, damaged my vocal cords as well as something happened in my esophagus. So I've been having some complications, but Hey, they, I got this cool injection on my left vocal cord and um, I can, I can, you can hear me a lot better. My voice is back in a big way. So that's been huge. And then the other complications, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of like dealing with, but, um, you know, it's definitely weird. And like I said, there is a lot of comedy. I mean, you know, let's face oh, there's it. There's comedy and, and tragedy all the time. I think it's one of the biggest roots of comedy. I, I did a bit years ago. I, I, I went through my first colonoscopy and afterwards they said, would you, you know, that found polyps and would, would you like to see them? And I go, hell, I couldn't identify my ass in a police lineup. I don't want to see that damn thing. <laughs> and, and they're so nonchalant about it as if, you know, and, and the way they treat you was just, yeah, it's a comedy gold mine. <laughs> oh yeah. I love when they ask if you want to watch your colonoscopy. I'm like, no, yeah. no. I want to watch, I want to watch you watch me count back from a hundred and I don't want to make it past 99. Yeah, that's it. wake me up when it's over and tell me how, it was good for you too, and I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and say no. So you know, you're seeing people, myself included, at very sort of heightened moments in their life, and and uh, you know, oh yeah, that's, and that stuff. My own behavior has definitely been probably weird or funny or quirky, and other folks and. You know, there's a whole thing, like when you're in the waiting room, like, do you talk to somebody else about their cancer? Like, it's, I've had many hits and misses with like, just like inappropriate shit I've even said, just like sitting in the freaking chair. So yes, I'm working on it all. And also, oh, I, yeah. So I think I'll try to do like, you know, I think I'm still really in trouble. Like, I think all the big promoters still hate me and Live Nation and AEG. And, you know, they bought up a lot of the theaters, most of the theaters, actually. So I might have to do like a mafia sit down with them and be like, OK, guys, if I go back on the road, are you going to like get in my way or are you just going to be cool and let me? But I think that they the whole bring thing a real mafioso is- with you. You, you just got to bring somebody who has that Brooklyn accent. You're going to let you got to let her do her deep thing. You know? Well, I was thinking of bringing Brian Cranston and having him do that. I am the danger thing. Yeah, beautiful, perfect. Something like that, you know. 
We have He's another coming. caller, by the way. Rudy is on the line. Rudy, if you've got a question for Kathy, she's right here, and we'd love to have you. So, uh, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Go ahead, Rudy. Thanks for the introduction, Brian. <laughs> You're Hi, welcome. Rudy. Hey, how you doing, Kathy? Good, how are you? Pretty good. I was just uh, listening to you defending um, AOC, and I thought it was pretty decent. Oh, I think she's great. I think she's so smart. She's so bright. I can't stand when the Busters attack her. And by the way, there's Burners, Bernie Sanders fans, and there's Busters who are Bernie or Bust, and they're the ones that, you know, voted for Jill Stein or whatever. And they're so tough on her. And I, I just get very you know, defensive about her, but I also, she's so bright and it would be so great to have so many young, smart members of Congress like that. So I just think she's the future. Yes. You know, one of the things that bothers me, you mentioned it is I have found that the far left is as annoying as the far right. The only difference is, you know, like some of the Bernie supporters wouldn't vote for Hillary in 2016. They won't vote for Biden. They, they actually said some of them said they would vote for Trump in 2016. And the only difference I can find is that, you know, it was it was a Jen, Richard Jennings who said, you know, if you've gone too far left or too far right, you've gone too far. And yeah. there's just there's not a difference between being dragged behind a pickup truck and being beaten to death and being dragged behind your Volvo and being beaten to death. So yeah. it's, it's And also my it's, question for those people is the same as it was in 2015 and 16, which is who you got. And yeah. you know, I was talking about the L.A. mayoral race because some of my, you know, Bernie fans, they don't want Karen Bass and they want to vote for somebody who is probably wonderful, but will never win. And Rick Caruso is trouble. And so I'm very frustrated because I, you know, I, I, I'm I'm a pretty straightforward Dem. I'm definitely more progressive until it comes to a situation where I go, wow. This candidate, I just don't think they're going to win. So I'm going to go for this one because the Republican and this crowd, this stable of Republicans, it's kind of astounding to me what would make a buster feel so strongly that they have been through Trump. And I can't think of anything else except they're okay with it. Could I? They're okay yeah, with absolutely. That's uh, you know? that's one of the bigger problems. Yeah, absolutely. Rudy, can I Sorry, Rudy. Um, no, no, thank I was thinking, Rudy, for his call, we have someone else online, Greg, who's like to ask a question. So we're going to bring Greg on on board uh, and and uh, if we can and see what his question is. But, yeah, you know, one of the problems I find is that if you don't get in politics has become a, a zero sum game. If you don't get everything you want, you'll go with somebody that you don't like because you didn't get everything you want out of someone who thinks more like you do. That's and so how, selfish and, and short-sighted. Well, I can't stand that. And, it's and you, can't be, you can't actually. be single agenda either. I'm sorry. I wish I could no, just vote for women's causes or gay causes, but I can't. And also you have to have a sense of where the rest of the country is realistically, whether you like it or not. So sure, the country yeah. isn't as liberal as I would like, but right now mm-hmm. it's important that we shore our base and then keep the really scaries from coming in. I mean, how many J6ers are running for office? I think eight. Eight yeah. January Sixers. Well, and I would very much love to see more. Yeah, you know, Like uh, Pete Buttigieg, very smart guy, yeah. knows his issues, but everyone says, well, he's the next president. And I, I don't, I don't see that happening. And then people go, well, then you're anti-gay. And I go, no, I just think he's too short. I mean, I've never <laughs> seen, 
I've never seen this. I don't think the country would care one way or another. If you were <laughs> there is there is indeed a storied history of short men getting like, you know, not, not, not elected. Getting, yes. Yes, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so Greg, Greg's with us. Greg, you got a question? Well, I was just hoping maybe Kathy, if she had her favorite Norm story, uh, if she, you know, I do. All right, cool. Oh, oh my God, thank you. So he's referring to Norm McDonald, and you know, when I very first started, um, if you guys know me at all, I do kind of more of a storytelling style, not sort of a classic like joke structure, and it can be very like tangential and stuff. So. I think the first time I went to one of the big festivals, it was Montreal. And this was back in the day where like a good festival appearance could like get you a, a TV show or a pilot. It was really meaningful. So I go and you perform at a different show. And they had me at like the one in the morning, like dirty language show. And then they'd have me two nights later at the 8 p.m. women's only show and stuff. So the long story short, I went up there with sort of a lot of good like vibes going on. And then I just tanked time after time. And I tanked so bad one time that I like, I go, thank you. Good night. And they didn't even clap. Like they were just kind of talking to each other because they thought I sucked so bad. And I remember hearing the clunk of my Doc Martens as I walk off stage. Cause you can't even hear like, there's not even enough applause to cover the sound of your own shoes. And then I run into, <laughs> I run into Nick DiPaolo, who's a very funny comedian, but he's a dick. And he goes, great. I get to follow that. So I walk off stage, I go to the alley, and I'm crying, and Norm McDonald, who I had never met, follows me out, and I will never forget it. He was like, you know, you're great, don't worry about that, you're doing something a little different, blah, 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 keep doing your shows. And, like, he invited me out, and, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm with the comics, and, like, Sarah Silverman was there, and, like, we all went to a diner, like... So that was, oh. whenever I saw Norm after that, I'd like tell him that story over and over. I'm like, no, it was really meaningful to me. So I, it, well, it really meant a lot to me. Cool. I always found that the after, uh, after, you know, the gig was over and the comics would go out and we'd all, you know, like go to a lot of times it's just a, just the cheapest diner you can go to. But sometimes you, you would find material out of that. And the, I always got uh, more thrill out of, getting a comedian to laugh than the audience it just oh it's the best and going out afterwards is the best and by the way i used to be in this improv troupe in los angeles called the groundlings and i started i think we've heard of them yeah i love the groundlings and i i implemented a policy where if we did our late show which was our experimental material show and, and it bombed really bad we had to like sit in a circle afterwards and shoot the shit and get a pizza and make each other laugh and those were the we laughed the hardest backstage on nights when we had like shitty shows and we'd like make fun of each other and like, you know what I mean? Like give each other crap. And so that's the sort of thing that I actually fear in comedy that we're going to lose. Like now there's a thing where you, the word roast is like become loaded. Oh God. Yes. It's not like there anything is anything more fun than having somebody just give you total shit that you really trust and think is funny. Yes. It's that's what, that's the context that, I, I'm, I really mourn because, you know, anybody who wants to malign Joan Rivers or Don Rickles or whatever, I'm just like, no, they weren't mean people that were hell bent on being mean to groups. Nobody ever suffered from their comedy. They made fun of celebrities just as much who all also either got pissed or were fine. Like, and that's kind of like, 
a, a thing I don't want us to lose. Like, I mean, Brian, you and I talk like this. We give each other crap. Yeah. I, I like it. That's how we talk and it's how we laugh. And that shouldn't go away. <laughs> well, the, my fear is that people, you know, it's well, and I go back to the Gervais thing because I just watched it. But, you know, you're having to explain to people what humor is. Yeah. And the fact that giving someone good natured grief isn't the same as being a mean bigot. There's there's a there's a difference between joking with someone and, and you can tell by the seriousness of their actions. I mean, Don Rickles it was the nicest guy I have ever met in my life. Yeah. And I don't I didn't know him real well, but he was just a sweetheart of a guy. Yeah, but he would give you un. I mean, Frank Sinatra, everybody. He gave him unmitigated grief on stage, and Joan Rivers was pretty much Joan would have yeah. me in stitches with an insult where you couldn't today. If you got on stage and did it, you'd get booed off the stage. And that's the thing. That's, that's the part fear. that worries me because, <laughs> once again, you know, when I go back on the road, if I do make fun of celebrities, obviously I don't want that to be the story. Like. Kathy, just like any other comedian, said a right. thing about Jada Pinkett Smith and Will and Chris or whatever. And it's, yeah, it's a thing that I'm allowed to say. And you can laugh or not laugh or whatever. But the the notion that, like, you kind of can't make fun of stuff, I think it's going to pass because, like, like the like when this guy Caleb called and he's like, I want to hear you rip into celebrities. And the reason people actually like when someone yeah. does that isn't because they are like, by the way, I have like a little discernment. Like I'm, guess what? I'm not going to be making fun of Amber Heard because her situation is very real. She's got every dude making fun of her and a lot of chicks too. And it just like, maybe it's time will come, but not now. But so like we all, we, most of us have that, but there's also like so many celebrities. And by the way, celebrities are now influencers, Elon freaking Musk. Really? I can't make fun of Elon Musk. By the way, you can't. Good luck with those psychos. Um, that fan base is rivaling only Demi Lovato's. And, you know, that's an obscure <laughs> reference. But, you know, that's the, that's the thing I never want to lose. Because it is still really fun being teased by someone you like and trust. And especially when they're a, a pro. Just, like, kind of relax a bit, everybody. Well, yeah. Uh, and I, I, one of the fun parts of, of that is what we're losing is the ability to be introspective and to look at our own self and our own foibles. And if you can't yes. make fun of it, what the hell? Yes. Yes. I'm so interested on that. And, you know, and there was, I, I'll never forget. There was a, <laughs> there was a, uh, during the shuttle explosion, I was covering, I was in the governor's office in the state of Kentucky when the shuttle went up. Remember, Krista McAuliffe was a teacher. Oh, and yeah. So all the teachers and the, and the and the governor of Kentucky at the time was a former teacher, <clears throat> Martha Lane Collins. So we were all watching the shuttle go up and it blew up. So I knew we had video that had to go on the air of the governor seeing it live. I ran upstairs and there was a guy, a reporter named Sparky, who almost burned the, the house down because he, he, he had a pipe one time and lit the uh, entire press room on fire. And I went up to talk to Sparky and I'm I'm, I'm calling the office to let him know we've got this uh, video. And he says, Brian, did you know Krista McAuliffe's eyes were blue? And I go, huh? And he goes, yeah, one blew this way, one blew that way. And I go, holy crap, I don't even think the bodies had hit the ground yet. And he's making jokes. I know. Today, he would be canceled for it. Just bad timing. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. just bad and timing. Bad timing. And by the way, also, like, I, you know, I even I don't like the policing of, like, conversations between... 
you know, the people in the privacy of their home or office stuff. I mean, unless you're an HR violation, that's the other thing. I'm kind of like, yeah, comedy isn't something that needs to be in the shadows. You know, like we really should be able to just make jokes. And, and I also don't like, you know, like I was just funny. There were like a couple of, I ran into a couple of these moving guys a couple of days ago and they asked me something. They're like, you're, you're that comedian. I said, yeah. And they were like, what do you think of the Chris Rock thing? And I said, well, Chris is a friend of mine. I said, I don't know the Smiths. I, I've met Will once or twice, but I don't know him. And, you know, I said, I'm, I'm a comic. So I obviously, I, I don't think it's a good thing ever. <laughs> if you don't like right. the jokes, you either, you either don't laugh or you leave, but that's the, those are your rights. And both of the guys were like, yeah, Will probably could have handled a little better. Like maybe they could have done it in private or the commercial break. And I'm like, no, no. Like Will never should have like said anything, certainly at the occasion. Like later on, if he wants to go, that joke bothered me. But even that doesn't make sense because Will had made another really innocuous joke about Jada when she, when he hosted also the fact that Will has, I'm sorry, the fact that Chris Rock has hosted, I think kind of should just earn him some more respect. That's a thankless, impossible gig. Everybody hates you the next day. Like leading up to the Oscars, you're the hero. Then they hate you. There's always like two A-listers, usually Sean Penn, who I love, but doesn't enjoy a joke. And there's always a couple that let you know how they feel anyway. But no, let's stop slapping people in the face. Thank you. Yeah, that was, you know, I made a, I was at a party in D.C. And this is true. D.C. is, you know, Hollywood for ugly people. And (laughs) I was, I was, I was with a bunch of ugly people and Sean Penn was speaking and, and we were talking about going back over to uh, Ukraine. He had been and I had been, we just got back and um, he said, so when are you going? I said, well, I'm not going anywhere until after Derby Day. I'm a, I'm a Kentucky boy. And I got, he goes, oh, Hunter Thompson. Yes, I knew him well. And I go, yes, my, my dad got stoned with him a couple of times when they were kids. And, you know, it, which is true, but it, it was a, the kind of laugh that he gave was like, I don't think he gets it. I, I, I His sense of humor was was spotty at best. But, but isn't been, that, like, that is, that's quite a while to me that you would say a line as crazy as, yeah, my dad did drugs with him as a kid. And he yeah. just goes on, like, just, you know, my jaw's still a little bit dropped because that's a whole yeah. separate conversation. Yeah, right. And also, why am I bothering with you? Where's your dad? Is he still around? Yeah. <laughs> Poor pop. He died of lung cancer, actually. That was, oh, shit. Uh, he was did they 55. take any parts of his lungs before? No, he had, uh, Pop was a lifelong smoker and he had, um, he went in for a, a, a colonoscopy and they found it on his lungs. They gave him 90 days to live and he lived for two, almost two and a half years. Um, wow. The year before he died, I went down to see him in San Antonio and I, this is where, you know, the doctors, I, I walked in, the doctor said, listen, uh, it's spread everywhere through your dad's body. It's, it's everywhere, but in his brain and in his heart. And I, I think he's only got a week or two to live. And I said, have you told my dad? And he goes, well, no. And I go, well, don't you think you should? And he goes, will you go with me? And I oh go, my God. brave doctor, right? So we walked in. We walked in. He goes, Mr. Karam, it's here. It's there. It's everywhere. You've got, except your brain and in your heart, you've got a couple of weeks left. My dad looked like a skeleton at that point. He said, bolt right up in his bed. He looked at the doctor, flipped him off, and said, fuck you. And oh, the, my and God. The, That's awesome. The doctor says, what does that mean? I go, I'm betting on the guy that says, fuck you. So right. we, packed, 
we packed him up. We moved him up to D.C. and we started walking. And um, he ended up we started we would measure mailboxes. We would walk, you know, down the neighborhood, two or three mailboxes and walk back home. And then after the end of about a month, he was up to two miles a day. Whoa. He had the cancer receded. It was gone everywhere except in his lower back. And he had a and I think, honestly, it was the pain of that that just wore him out because it was out of his lungs when he he died. And it was just he had had back problems most of his life. And he had this bolus. You know, he would he would punch his button to get some pain medication into his uh, into his back. And uh, in the end, I think that's what what killed him was just that pain. It wasn't it wasn't the cancer. Jesus. yeah, that's it. Did you, do you feel like that extra time with him was good? Yes, it was. I would, yeah. I, I was with him as he died and I wouldn't trade any of that. Dad had a good quality of life and, uh, and a pretty colorful life. And in the end, it, it was my pride, my privilege and, and my honor to be with him. And oh. I wouldn't have trade that for anything because yeah. I, you know, I idolized him. He was my pop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And he was a badass. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Yeah. Well, I'm so, sorry I got stuck with you, but um. <laughs> well, you know, hey, it's a tough room. I'm telling you, you know. I'm telling you, I. But luckily, should we reveal that I'm also friends with your sister? Yes, my sister right. Diane. By the way, you know that I have a I lawsuit update for you. I don't know if you know this. I've had Go two more it. lawsuits. Um, since Covington Catholic High School. So would you like to give them, by the way, one of the Covington cases, they're still appealing the state case. The federal case might finally be done. Would you like to tell your listeners about the darlings from Covington Catholic High School in Covington, oh, Kentucky? As as a former Catholic altar boy to a former <laughs> schoolgirl, <laughs> I can tell you that the Catholics in Covington make uh, the Druids look you know, uh, honorable. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this, everybody remembers in 2019 at the national mall, there was a native American man named Nathan Phillips, MAGA hat kid, Nick Sandman and his MAGA hat Covington. You know, they go to a a pro an anti-choice rally in DC, which the nuns in my school never would have allowed anything political, but that's us. Oh, hell no. And they seem to bully this guy, and it took off online. And I was one of the people saying, who is this? Who are these people? The school should make a statement. Three tweets. And I was sued by a dozen anonymous, because they're pussies, families <laughs> from that school who went to that trip. And initially, this is so lame, they char- they um, sued me in federal court for domestic terrorism and cyber terroristic threats. Uh-huh. And you know, that one, you know, then a dangerous woman. I know. And then that was appealed, and then there was we had to go to the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals in the Eastern District of Kentucky, and we won that. And the state case, it's actually several other defendants with myself. It's like Maggie Haberman for the New York Times, um, Kevin Krause, the the um professor from I think he's at uh, Brown or something, Princeton. So there's like a few of us and um you know, I had to send my lawyers to Covington for a hearing. And, you know, so that thing is like still going on. By the way, the, the judge in my state case had two sons that went to Covington. And yet, <laughs> so far, she's still dismissed it. So my latest one is, you're going to love this. There's a woman in the country of Andorra. 
Brian? I thought that was the woman on Bewitched. Wasn't that? What, <laughs> and Dora no, is, yeah. I believe, between what? The, like the Catalonian part of Spain and Italy or something? Yes. So she decided that a, a little bit that I did from my reality show, Kathy Griffin, My Life on the D-List, in 2010, where I got a pap smear in the lobby of a hotel to promote women's health. And it was I was spoofing the Katie Couric. Remember when she got the call? Right. Right. So yeah, it was my and, and it did it live. <laughs> live. And she watched it. And so that was my D-List version. So this woman is claiming that she wrote a script – and that she had that scene in a script and I stole it from her or whatever. So that's just a, another crazy person. But the latest one is a guy named Sam Johnson. And he went and he was like following and stalking these kids. And one of them was dressed up, a, a trans kid or just dressed in a dress, whatever. And so he got fired and I tweeted about that as well. And so he's now suing me in federal court in Tennessee. And his attorney is the same one that represents um, – is it Rittenhouse? Yeah. Uh, his attorney represents either Rittenhouse or Sandman. It's a good crowd. It's, it's a great is, crowd. Yeah. They, the, the attorneys just have to go, well, here's money. That's that's all it is. But they, they've it, lost it, every case with me. I don't even know where they're getting their money. But I would like to know, like, I'm wondering who's funded these two groups of Covington families for three years. I mean, that's a lot. Of, I know how much it costs me. A lot. That's a yeah. ton of litigation. And so I, I don't know why they keep suing me because I haven't lost one yet because I'm not trying to lose one. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing any of that stuff. So anyway, but it no, goes it, on it, and on. It, you know, the, the, the feeling in this country used to be, I disagree with what you say, but will defend to death your right to say it. So yeah. today it has turned into, I disagree with what you say, so you must die. Yes. Or be canceled, or yeah. to be, which is how it affects comedy. I mean, it's like, folks, you know, if you don't like what is said, a you can always turn the channel if it's right. on TV. Nobody's right. strapped you into a, a seat and force fed you this crap while they're right. jamming a, you know, a, a a cattle prod in your nether regions. It's you. You have a choice. You don't have to listen to it. And secondly, everyone always mistakes that type of thing as a First Amendment issue and it's really not it's it's two idiots or two people arguing the government if the government comes in and tells you that you can't speak like michael cohen uh, trump's michael cohen is a true first amendment case that is like i thought i i mean by the i actually do think in my trump photo thing i do think that he and the white house and that crowd i do think they violated my first amendment rights i I really do however yes i i can't hold a camp yeah but I can't hold a candle to Michael Cohen like that. That really is a case we should all be watching in every field, but especially if you believe in free speech. And by the way, there is a perfect example. I never thought I could have anything but negative feelings for Michael Cohen. And I'm just cheering this guy on saying, look, when you're right, you're right. Like, I didn't like what he said before, but let's face right. it. He, he ended up doing the right thing and he seems to be continuing to do the right thing so although maga i think i really do think sorry i know people are going to say you blame everything on trump i do think trump and maga makes people more litigious because besides the fact that i have never been sued oh i'm blaming trump picture. On I, I, yeah. I i definitely blame global warming on maga that they're all their hot air is doing it <laughs> yeah i mean and it's pollution so as well, yeah. yeah that's 
<laughs> well, and that's what's killing the, that's the greenhouse effect. That's what's killing all the plants. And it matters. <laughs> Farts matter. The, the magaflatulation effect. We, Thank we you. could write this. <laughs> Can you imagine Trump's farts? Can you even? I mean, they must be. I heard one once in the White House. I did. What? <laughs> I was luckily I was up in Upper Press, and as he walked by, it's it sounded like a a, a horn. Of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Hey, did you ever see? I always heard this rumor that Melania had a side guy. Did you ever see that dude? Uh, th- those rumors persisted. It was supposedly her secret service, um, or her other security. Well, if she's smart, that's the way to go, you know? And, and sure. I Like he uh, cares. I, like, do you think he really cares? Like if she screws around? I don't think he cares one way or another. I don't either. And even though he has such a crazy ego, I just don't think that bothers him at all. Like I just, you well, know, I can't even, you know. I, I don't think the thing that bothers Donald Trump is if you don't do if you don't give him your money yeah. and if you don't agree with him. Otherwise, I don't think he really much. Can, and he, he as much as he hated me personally, I mean, he never called me by my name. He would go playboy. I mean, you know, that was. God, he would always call on me. And, yes. And, and he, he liked the fight. But Brian, do you know, do you know that most people don't know this? Do you know that he paid me $50,000 to roast him as part of one challenge on The Apprentice? I wasn't on The Apprentice, but as like part of a challenge, they bring in celebrities. So he called and said, one of the challenges is this was the, as I call it, the civilian apprentice, not the celebrity one. And it was that there was like the finale and they were supposed to put on a big show and you know, I told you the part where I ended up spending the day with him and Liza Minnelli at Bedminster, which was, you know, hopefully will never leave my act. But, you know, um, well, that's a, that's he really he really spent. I mean, he's such a star fucker. And, you know, this he would not yes. leave me and Liza alone all day. And I'm not kidding. It was like, yes. OK, I know. You know, well, that's, like, you know I, I asked Michael Cohen, I said, what is because he said, look, I had plenty of money and Donald Trump asked me to work for him. So I said, so if you had plenty of money. What was the attraction to working with Donald Trump? And, and that was it. It was it was being around all the celebrities and the stars. And that was what drew him in. And yeah. um, Trump is the ultimate star fucker. Yes. And, and always has is, been. And that's yeah. that's why so many of us in L.A. even know him, because and I say this as a proud D-lister. He's E minus. Like, I'm telling you, when I would go to like upfronts <laughs> oh, or whatever, an F, for, he's, an he's, F. he's an F. I mean, at the NBC Universal events, it would always be like, oh, who's got to go talk to the Donald now? And it's like, oh, here he comes. Like, it was always because remember around the end of The Apprentice, it wasn't doing well. Then it chapped his ass because he had to promote the Martha Stewart Apprentice, which, of course, he turned on her. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he was just kind of ubiquitous. And then when I went to New York, I feel like I ran into him more. Like, he would just be everywhere. And so I love those videos. Like, if you've ever seen the video of, like, the time he shows up at some event that uh, Kathy Lee Gifford is having where they like give a big check to some hospital and he showed up not knowing anything just to be in the picture of him holding a check with Kathy Lee Gifford. Like that's who that's who we've known who he is. But honestly, <laughs> I did. I always thought he was harmless. I really did. I just thought it was just a big like bloviating, like you said, like a big dumb windbag. And he's so stupid, Brian. He's so uh, stupid. You can't talk to him. 
about anything. He well, talks about himself. And everyone he hired was that way. I mean, they didn't understand. I remember they were talking about putting troops on the border to keep. I, you have oh, to boy. love the logic of Donald Trump. The yeah. immigrants are coming over the border to take all of our jobs and at the right. same time to, to, to get unemployment. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. we said, all right, you're going to put troops on the border. <clears throat> we went in and said, um, and I'll never forget this. Are, are you going to get a waiver on the Posse Comitatus Act? Because the law says you can't use troops as police force in yeah. the country. So you have to get a waiver from Congress for a specific amount of time in order to do it. He doesn't like to do that. Brian. Well, he didn't know what it was. What was he funny doesn't want to know what it is. Yeah, we walked in and they and I'll never forget his his uh, press secretary said or one of his assistant press secretary said at the end, we're talking to him. He goes, uh, I said, so you're going to get back to us. And he goes, now, what is that? Is that like a rule or a law? I go, look, the, it's a, the Republicans love this. This is a, you know, limiting government. You all have always been behind. It. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'll get back to you about that Hakuna Matata thing. And that was. That was how they referred to the Posse Comitatus Act. They had no idea what it was. Not oh boy. a clue. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So me, me and John Bennett, the other reporter that were there, we, we left the uh, uh, White House uh, press offices singing Hakuna Matata just for the hell of it. How could you not? And he goes to your Kofefi. Yeah. That's, well, I have Morning a good Kofefi. strong Kofefi every day. <laughs> I start my I, I day off. With a- I got to stay regular. Got to stay regular. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a first time for everything, you know. Hey. You. <laughs> <laughs> Tough room. <laughs> well, listen, Kathy, this is a, again, a great deal of fun. You sound so great. I'm glad to hear you're doing better and you're on the mend. Your voice sounds fantastic. I, I, I can't wait to see you live again sometime. Oh, I can't wait. You'll be the first to know. And I just love you, Brian. And I just appreciate you. you're so smart and you're one of the good ones. And keep doing your thing because we need you. Well, so are you, and I love you, and keep doing what you're doing because we need you. All right, my <laughs> darling. All right, thanks, All right. everybody who listened, and keep listening to Brian's show. And the name of the show is Just Ask the Question. This is live, our first time doing it. And if you like us and uh, you want to stick around Sundays, we're going to come back with Just Ask the Press, which is we'll, it'll be our Sunday show where we talk to you about the problems and the foibles of the press. And if you have questions, we'll have top editors around the country answering those questions to explain what the real problems are in the press so you won't have to guess. So the name of the show is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Question's newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast.